Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the witch's wheel of the year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight sabbats. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Welcome back, heathens. Here we are once again at Ye Old Podcast. <laughs> and if this is your first time here, welcome. Check it out. Make yourself at home. Uh, we do a bunch of witchcraft and assorted uh, magical whatnotery. That's kind of what we're up to here. Um, some weeks it's really a lot. Some weeks it's just a little bit. This week is going to be just a shorty. Um, I hope it's enough for you all. <laughs> Uh, what are we doing this week? We are looking at Letha slash Lunasod season, Waning Moon in Aries, Lunar Week 24. Yes, my friends, that's right. It is already the end of Letha. Letha barely lasts four weeks and we are on to the next holiday. Why? Lunasod isn't until August 1st. Well, because in my opinion, anyways, uh, Lunasod season really kind of kicks off when the sun enters Leo and that happens this week. And just a couple of days later, we have our new moon in Leo and then we have Lunasod on August 1st. So we're basically there. <laughs> we're basically there. Uh, the energy is shifting. We're moving out of cancer season and we're moving out of that um, more nurturing and protective uh, energy stream that we have at the beginning of summer. And we are really stepping into the heart of summertime. Uh, and that's, you know, a lot of the energy and the symbolism that is encapsulated in Lunasad. So we are at the very end of Letha. We are shifting and changing forms and changing, uh, changing spaces into the new Sabbath that's coming up. Um, would you like to know more about Lunasad? Well, as it happens, I'm going to be teaching a class on it. Freak out. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next Wheel of the Year class is going to be Wednesday the 27th at 7 p.m. Uh, this class is free for everyone to attend. Um, but to get the address to the class, it's going to be a Zoom meeting. Uh, you either need to be subscribed to my Patreon or subscribed to my newsletter. And uh, the class will be taught live. There will be space at the end of the class for questions and comments and out loud processing and all of that good stuff. Uh, and then I will upload the class without all of the conversation at the end to my YouTube channel and you can watch it for free there later, no sweat. So this class is completely free to attend either live or if you'd like to watch the recording later. Uh, however, um, if you would like all of the support 
uh, workbook goodness that comes with this class, you need to be subbed to my Patreon at the $9 level or higher. That's the Venus level or higher. And um, you get access to the multi-page workbook that has spells and prayers and altar building guides and history and folklore, astrology, astronomy. Uh, it comes with a seven to eight week calendar that has literally hundreds of holidays. Those are the holidays that we talk about here in the podcast. Um, and so much more. All of the supplementary material that I throw in uh, for presentation in the class and all of that stuff is available um, to patrons as a means of saying thank you. Uh, to all of my amazing supporters that support me and support this work. Um, yeah. So join us, join us over on Patreon. We're doing weird shit over there <laughs> and uh, it's just getting weirder. Um, so next class, wheel of the year, Lunasad class, Wednesday, the 27th, 7 PM Pacific standard time, 9 PM. No, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. 9 PM Eastern <laughs> free and also free free for the live, free for the recorded. Um, yeah, so that's all of that good stuff. Uh, we just had our July tarot circle that was covering the sun card in tarot. Um, and that was a pretty awesome lecture. And we're going to have a little bit of information this week uh, with one of our holidays in particular that really speaks kind of closely to the symbolism of the sun card. It just, it's like magic. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy how this stuff all kind of, you know, falls into place sometimes. Mm. Stay hydrated, people. Okay. And last but not least, I said this last week and I'm saying it again. I will be running my Tarot 101 six-week intensive uh, again soon. Um, I call it an intensive because I give you homework every single day of the workshop, not just the classes, all 42 days of the workshop. So, you know, you think you want to learn tarot? We're going to find out. <laughs> what I aim for with this is to help you create a rhythm of consistent magical work in your life. I always donate money to Roma support groups when I teach these tarot classes. And this time, 10% of your ticket cost is going to be going to the European Roma Rights Center. They are a legal group that is focused on strategic litigation uh, to uh, expose systemic abuse issues. And they run from individual country level all the way up to the United Nations. They've brought hundreds of cases of abuse and racism to court in over 15 countries, and they have secured millions of dollars in compensation for victims. Um, but they also do research and outworking uh, or outreach and uh, networking, and they publish news and uh, they do education work and all kinds of stuff. So love, love, love this group. This is who we're going to be supporting this time around with Tarot. Okay. Um, so those are the two classes that are coming up tarot circle 101 or excuse me, tarot 101 and the Lunasad class. Uh, you can read more about the current Sabbat Letha by heading to my website and clicking Letha in the menu. Or if you want to get a jump start on Lunasad season, you can head to the menu and click Lunasad. But if you want to know more about all of these upcoming classes and yet other classes coming in the future, I always alert my patrons first and then uh, folks that are subscribed to my newsletter, my irregular newsletter, as I like to call it, because I'm kind of wonky when I in terms of when I send it out. Um, and then I will post stuff to social media. So if you want to know first, 
sign up to Patreon or my irregular newsletter. Um, and if you're looking for guidance on how to work with all of this information in your personal life, book a tarot reading or an astrology reading with me. I do that too. And let me also say this, because it doesn't come up very often, but I do get requests for this from time to time. If you are working on a magical project, you are on a spiritual adventure of some type, and you hit a roadblock and you need some assistance with your research, reach out to me. Sometimes I can help. Sometimes I can't, and that's I'm just being real. But uh, I love that stuff. I, you know, throw throw the ball and let me go chase it down for you. Kind of a <laughs> kind of a gig. I have looked up uh, items of jewelry for people who received pieces of jewelry as a gift, and they didn't know what the piece meant. Um, People have had deities come to them in dreams. People have uh, reached out to me where, where they are seeking out a deity uh, to work with for a very specific uh, magical working in their life. Um, I love that stuff. Love it, love it, love it. So if that's something that you are interested in, uh, shoot me a, an email and let's talk about it. To support this podcast and all the work that I do, join my Patreon. Thank you so much to my patrons. And if you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review on your podcast service wherever you listen to this. Uh, I announced it last week. We just hit uh, 5,000 listens, and uh, that's wild to me. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Um, one of the number one things that you can do to support this podcast is to give it a rating wherever it is that you listen to this. And one of the number one things that you can do to support this podcast is uh, reshare it on social media platforms. It's really, really potently helpful <laughs> when you guys share it. I'm so appreciative of everybody that blasts this every week. It's really cool. I'll be scrolling through and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> So, as we are stepping out of Letha and into Lunasad, we are doing some potent stuff. Uh, first and foremost, as we continue to move through um, Letha season, we are still focusing on our witch's work. And that is power, transformation, healing, fertility, and determination. But as we move into Lunasad season, that starts to shift into power, yes, still, but also maturation, leadership, and production. And those guys kind of sit pretty comfortably with determination, but after we determine what we're going to do, we got to go do it. And Lunasad season is very much about getting it done. Uh, when we look around the planet, uh, past and present, at what everybody else was and is doing, for Letha season, our global themes are partnership, life and vitality, abundance, light and warmth. And uh, as we step into Lunasad season and that cross-quarter holiday, we see more of an emphasis on authority, leadership, work, and fruition. So ultimately, results from our labors, um, results from our efforts. That starts to become more and more of a symbol set that we work with as we step into Lunasad. Um, okay, so with that, let's get into this week's astrology and sacred holidays, shall we? 
Alrighty, our Lunar Week begins July 20th, Wednesday, with a waning half moon in Aries at 27 degrees, 7.18 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet. And while this moon is hanging out at 27 degrees, it is in an exact square to Pluto at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Eh. <laughs> right i know um it was spicy last week it's 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 definitely warm this week it's definitely not not spicy um but it's a little more chill it's a little more chill um in fact our big planet of the week is actually mercury we have a lot of adventures with mercury this week but we're kicking off the week with a moon in aries square to pluto and uh the moon and Pluto don't necessarily really like hanging out with each other. They can get some interesting work done, but given that it's a square, it's tough. Um, so first and foremost, let's talk about what are we doing with a waning half moon? Um, in our metaphor that we work with every week uh, to uh, envision the lunar process, at the new moon, we start out with a seed. At the waxing crescent, that seed becomes a little bud that pops its head up above the ground. And then at the waxing half, that becomes a branch that actually starts to grow up and you know push against the ground and do its thing. Then we have the disseminating moon where that branch becomes a vine. And at the full moon, that vine produces a fruit. At the, uh, did I say disseminating moon? I meant the gibbous moon. Sorry, I lied. The gibbous moon, it becomes a vine. The full moon, we have a fruit that produces on the vine. At the disseminating moon, which is the next phase after the full moon, that fruit ripens, right? As I talked about last week, there's a big difference between a fruit and a, fr and a ripe fruit. <laughs> so at the disseminating moon, the fruit ripens. And then we come to the waning half moon. And at the waning half moon, it's a crisis moment. Um, and that sounds like an intense word. We don't necessarily have to use the word crisis, but it's a moment of friction. It's a moment of decision making um, that we are recognizing that we have to change the course. We have to change direction in one way or another. And what I always say here, what I have written in my notes <laughs> is the fruit withers. And what needs to change in spite of or because of success or failure. So at the waning half moon, we take a moment to look at our process. We take a moment to think about the last three weeks or however long of a period of time you would like to reflect back on. And we think about what worked, what didn't work, and what needs to change. Um, and sometimes it's we're look it's the fact that we're looking at things that didn't work and we're like, okay, clearly this stuff needs to change. But sometimes we're also looking at the things that did work and we're thinking about, do I let this go even though it's working for me to make room for something that might work even better? And that is definitely work that we had in front of us last week in our astrology. And so this moon almost feels like a culmination, you know, <laughs> of that work that we were doing in, a, in our astrology last week of like a moment of reflection of like, okay, so what has been kind of working for me 
And maybe I'm afraid to let go of this partial success um, for something that could be even better, more healthy, more suited to me, whatever. Um, it is, you know, let me, let me say, let me reflect that it's difficult to get ourselves to let go of a thing that kind of works that we understand and that we're comfortable with, um, to reach out for the unknown, right? It's unknown. We don't know if it's going to work at all, let alone as good as the thing that we have going. So the fact that this moon is in Aries is asking us to be brave, it's asking us to challenge ourselves and um, and to be brave in the face of the unknown. Where do you need to uh, make some changes? As I said, in spite of or even because of our success or our failure. Now, let's come back to the fact that it is square Pluto. Well, the moon square Pluto can get really compulsive about stuff. It can get really fixated on a feeling, um, on an intuitive urge that may or may not be accurate. So I also want to point out that just a day before, on uh, July 19th, uh, Chiron stationed retrograde also in Aries at 16 degrees. So not the exact degree, but certainly nearby. Um, and Chiron speaks to our sacred wound and the wisdom that we can glean from that sacred wound. So the moon here is in a pretty challenging spot, right? The moon needs to feel what it feels. We're in a moment that feels like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm in a hard spot and I need to make some potentially tough decisions. And then Pluto is sort of standing off to the side, glaring at us and trying to intimidate us into acting the way that, you know, maybe these massive power structures that we might be living in are demanding that we act. I don't know if that sounds familiar to anybody, but, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something similar happening in the world around you. I don't know. So this could be a day where we feel like we want to fight about it where we want to go to war over something. Pluto can be very warlike. Aries can be very warlike. We are feeling our personal wound because of that Chiron retrograde. And we're feeling it because it's the moon, right? So that's a, that's a spicy mix. That's a potent mix of stuff. So as I always say, uh, if you need to put yourself in timeout, put yourself in timeout. But just putting yourself in timeout under these circumstances might not be the the only solution, might not be the only thing that we need to do for ourselves. Um, I talk about Jessica Lagnato all the time because I think she's a great astrologer and just a, a fantastic, you know, person and magical guide in general. And one of the things that she talked about recently was getting yourself to move your mind when you are kind of spiraling out and you are compulsively thinking about something and you can't stop thinking about it and it's really negative or it's really scary, um, to not demand of yourself that you immediately jump over to trying to think about good thoughts because you just sort of replace one compulsive act with another, right? Oh, I'm thinking terrible thoughts. Oh, now I'm thinking happy thoughts. Da, 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 da. And she recommends instead 
that you move to neutral island for a while and think about something totally neutral, a hair clip, a cardboard box, uh, a piece of fruit, um, you know, something that you have no emotional attachment to at all. And this is a trick that I have used with myself in the past. I didn't even know that this was a thing at the time. I'm sure I picked it up somewhere unconsciously, but, but this is something that I have tried with myself and it has really, really helped where I basically tell my mind, you're kind of on restriction and you're not allowed to think negative thoughts. Even if you want to just dumb down and stare at the wall for the next two hours, or we're going to binge watch a show for a couple of episodes or whatever, fine. Um, but we're not going to sit here and pout. We're not going to sit here and soak in the bummer. Um, and and that was something that I had to kind of do to myself, with myself, for myself. So this might be a week where it starts out with this sense of like, man, I can't stop thinking about this, but I have to. And so I'm going to put myself in timeout and I'm going to consciously focus on something neutral and then something positive. Okay. And in that, if it feels right to do work, the work is thinking about our sacred wound, taking care of it, healing it, um, and taking care of ourselves and really understanding that sometimes the wounds that we experience in this lifetime are incredibly unfair. And today there might not be much we can do about it except to just recover and to nurture ourselves and take care of ourselves. Revenge will come later. Well, maybe, right? <laughs> we like to think that. Well, I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I have issues. But, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes revenge never comes. And sometimes that is almost more painful than the wound itself. Um, and we have to find a way to be okay with that stuff as we move forward. I know. I know it's always fun these days with the astrology. It's so exciting. Uh, I swear to the gods that good astrology is coming eventually. <laughs> I just, I just don't know when, but I know that it's out there. <laughs> um, okay. With our waning moon in Aries, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the head, the hair, the scalp, the eyes, and the sinuses. So yes, the deep conditioner this week is a holy act. Um, yes, the scalp massage is a holy act. Yes, absolutely. And for our plant body work, we are harvesting, we're doing pest control, disease control, plowing, weeding, or aerating the soil or pruning our plants to encourage below ground growth. So if you have plants that are producing fruit or veg below ground, this is a great time for that. If you have recently transplanted a plant and you are wanting to encourage the root system to really establish itself, this is a great time for that as well. Okay. After all of that, happening at seven o'clock in the morning, right? <laughs> the moon will enter Taurus at about 1130 AM. So the moon is only hanging out in Aries for a couple of hours and then it's on its way. 
it's still going to be in um, aspect to Pluto for a, for a little while, but it moves out of the sign. And I think that alone sort of takes some of the energy off because the moon is exalted in Taurus and it's much more comfortable in that sign. Um, after that, there's no astrology of note for this day. So other than the moon and its adventures, which are short lived, um, the astrology is chill. And this again is part of why I was kind of emphasizing that idea of like, if you need to put yourself in timeout and like, think about something neutral for a while, do it because the aspect is short lived. The effects of our actions could be long standing. You get what I'm saying? All right. Move on to the holy day of July 20th. Okay, so the first thing that I want to talk about for our holy days for this entire week is uh, we are in the ancient festival complex that was the New Year moment for ancient Egypt. Um, we had the uh, last week, we had the day where normally you would see the Nile cresting its riverbanks and flooding the delta, which sort of signaled um, the high point of the hottest part of the year and sort of the break in the heat. And it begins the growing cycle for them. It also starts off their year. It's the beginning of the year. And so the whole beginning of this week and month was dedicated to all of the great gods and goddesses within their pantheon. So we had a few god and goddess birthdays last week, and we have more this week. Um, so considering that this is kind of going on in the background. Uh, so we have the birth of Horus the Elder um, this week. Also happening uh, on this day, we have the binding of the wreaths from our Lithuanian friends and ancestors. We have the Feast of Boromu from our Yoruban friends and ancestors. And we have the Festival of Perun's Day from our Slavic friends and ancestors. Um, the cult of Perun or Perun was probably replaced by the cult of the prophet Elijah. And we see this all the time, especially throughout Eastern Europe, but really anywhere that the Catholic Church could reach. Uh, if there was a pagan deity there, they supplanted it with a saint. If they couldn't eradicate worship entirely, they were like, uh, put a saint in there. It'll be great. Um, so Elijah's day bore distinct features of ancient pagan cults, and it is presumed that it replaced the original festival in honor of the god of thunder, Perun. In popular belief, Elijah wields storm clouds to influence the fertility of the fields and uses lightning against demons and blasphemers. And we already know, um, based on all the stuff we've been talking about for the last several weeks, lightning is a really big deal during this time period. Weather gods and goddesses are definitely worshipped during this time, right? People are asking for exactly the right weather to support their crops and trying their best to banish all of the wrong weather that could jeopardize their crops because we're just about to start harvesting. So this would be the very worst time for something untoward to happen. Uh, the festival is celebrated on July 20th or 21st by neo-pagans throughout Eastern Europe. Um, and where in some groups of Rodnovers, this holiday is regarded as the most important of the year. Again, 
given the context, it makes sense. During the festival, there are games or sport competitions in honor of Perun, during which participants compete in such disciplines as combat sports, tug of war, and horse races of various types. Uh, there's a torch light festival as well. Da 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 da. Um, we're going to have a few, a few little horsey moments this week. <laughs> so folks that were in the sun class, the sun card class, consider that. All right. Um, that is the only holy day that I'm going to talk about this week. And you'll note that also we don't have a lot of holy days per day this week. And again, thinking back to this festival complex that we're seeing from ancient Egypt, we're in the midst of a gigantic multi-day festival. We're also in the midst of the Taltean games from our Irish and Gaelic friends and ancestors. Uh, these are the funeral games that the god Lu held for his mother who passed, Taltean. Um, and they start at the end of July and run all the way up to August 1st or Lunasad or Lunasa. Um, and we have a few other big festival complexes we're going to talk about in just a second. So there are not a lot of single day events happening right now, but there are a ton of multi-day festivals taking place. And we have the harvest season kicking off in lots and lots of places throughout northern uh, the, the northern hemisphere. So there also isn't a lot of time for partying on single day events. I think that's a big part of why you see multi-day events is like, you know, our farm got done with our stuff over here that day. And then we came over and we helped those guys and now we can party <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, plus, and uh, hi, if you're new to the podcast, I'm the queen of tangents uh, <laughs> plus and summertime has this timeless quality about it. And through fall and winter and late winter and early spring, you'll see lots and lots of uh, holidays that are very fixed on certain days and they're like single day or two day or three day holidays. And, it, and in my opinion, that comes from a much deeper concern on timekeeping. And knowing exactly how many days have passed and exactly how many days we have left uh, until spring should be expected. Um, because, you know, food, water, light, all that stuff, right? Like, how long do we have to live completely coated in ice? You know, that thing. Um, versus summertime where the living is easy, right? Food's just growing on the vine and there's animals to hunt everywhere and you can sleep outside under the stars and the days last forever. So to me, there also is a sense of like, sure, have a festival and just let it go on for weeks because what is time anyways? <laughs> that, that thing, I don't know. Again, I might be projecting that onto the past, but it's what I see in that. It makes sense to me that like, we kind of have a diminishing of, of festivals and celebrations and stuff. All right, let's move on to July 21st. All right, July 21st is a Thursday and our waning moon has entered Taurus. And what I have written in my notes is money. That's all. <laughs> um, so what are we doing here? Well, let's come back to the fact that we are in a waning half moon in the sign of Taurus, um, waning half and decreasing, right? Um, 
So where are you in your process with examining your stuff around money and possessions? Uh, the sign of Taurus is really concerned with the stuff that we own and what we need to acquire the stuff that we own. Um, so this is a really potent portion of our process with the moon where we have an opportunity to take a look at what are we buying and why? Um, how do we spend our money? Uh, you know, there's a, a movement within the metaphysical world that I don't necessarily think is super exciting um, or cool. Uh, that's around the idea of treating money like a sacred object in the sense of law of attraction and all this other BS. Um, and uh, yeah, the nuances of that are, um, I don't have time. I don't have time. But, but TLDR this, um, do you ever think of money as a sacred energy stream in and of itself? And the extension of that thought is, do you treat it like something that's sacred? Um, do you use it to do sacred things? Do you consider spending money a sacred act? And that can all get really into some funky places. Like I was saying, there's a lot of like weirdo metaphysical schools of theory around this, this concept. Um, but where I'm coming from it is like, or how I'm coming at it, I guess I should say is, is this idea of actually acting like it's sacred. And, you know, if I was, if I was committing a holy act, would I bring something vulgar into that ritual? No, right. I would want to be sacred and I would want all of the tools that I'm working with to be sacred. So do you think of money as something vulgar and yet you're trying to do good things with it? And, um, is there a way for you to think about money as a sacred thing? All of that said, we know money is not real, right? We still have to play by the rules as if it was real, but it's not real. And I think we would be better as a species if we just didn't fuck with money at all. <laughs> if we were just, I don't know, taking care of each other and building things and exploring space. You know, I'm into the Star Trek future, right? <laughs> I'm into the Star Trek future uh, where like humans actually figured it out and we got rid of misogyny and we got rid of racism. We got rid of transphobia. We got, we stopped hating each other basically and being afraid of our own potential and just like decided to be cool. So what does the world without money look like? What does the world beyond money look like? And here again, there's that, that lunar square. Where do we need to let go of our process in spite of, or even because of successes or failures? That, right? Where am I afraid to let go of what I know to grab the thing that I don't know? That stuff. And how does that work with our money and our possessions and owning things and acquiring money and all of that stuff? It's spooky. Our nodes are in Taurus and Scorpio. And so there's, and we have a lot of things to be afraid of in our world. We have a lot of reasons to feel like being greedy, being defensive and being possessive about our money and our stuff and our home and our, and our, you know, security is vital. It's important and it's valid to feel that way. We have a lot of 
things happening in our world encouraging us to believe that it's valid to feel that way. And I'm just challenging you to explore that stuff in whatever way is safe and right for you to do that. Because as a species, we have to get past this and we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time left to figure it out. Um, so if it's safe and right for you, I encourage you to challenge yourself on some of your hard held beliefs around money, possessions, owning things, what success is supposed to look like, all of that stuff. Maybe it's time to let some of those opinions and beliefs go, or at least maybe it's time to let them evolve and let them change. Okay. For our lunar body work, we are <laughs> resting, relaxing, nourishing, uh, supporting or otherwise restoring the ears, the mouth, the teeth, the throat, neck, and shoulders. These are all the parts of the body that are ruled by the sign of Taurus. As I say every week, I am a doctor of the cosmos, uh, a doctor of witchery, uh, not a doctor of the human corpus. So I don't know jack shit about health. Uh, I'm just some lady on the internet yelling about stuff. And uh, you should absolutely check with your trusted health advisor before integrating any of the information from this guide. <laughs> also remember that you can always work with the metaphor. So, you know, if we are restoring the ears, am I taking too much information in and I need to think about that? That's going to be highlighted with our moon and Gemini here in a couple of days, mouth and teeth and throat and neck. Am I speaking you know, out of turn or, you know, I don't necessarily want to say it that way, but like what, what's coming out of my mouth, <laughs> right? What's going into my mouth? Like, what am I eating? What am I biting into? Um, all of that stuff. What am I shouldering? And do I need to make some adjustments or some changes here for our plant body work? We are planting, transplanting and grafting our flowering bulbs, our biennials and our perennial flowers and our veggies that and fruit that bear crops below ground like onions, carrots, potatoes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So yesterday we were aerating the soil, today we're planting or transplanting. Okay. Same as yesterday, there's no spicy astrology of note whatsoever for July 21st. So moving directly on to the holy days from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have Damo's day. Damo was the daughter of Pythagoras and she was a poet and a philosopher and a mathematician in her own right. Uh, we also have the birth of Aten from our ancient Egyptian friends and ancestors, as well as the birth of Set. And we have uh, Witch's Day from our modern pagan friends and ancestors. And this day is completely dedicated to celebrating your craft celebrating your spirituality on this day could be a really fantastic day to do some research on your branch of witchcraft that you are um, curious about or excited about. Um, you might do some history on uh, witchcraft practices in your area uh, and the place in the world where you live, etc., etc. Might just be a day to rebuild your altar um, and just sit in meditation and just you know, write some stuff in your book of shadows and be witchy. Put your pointed hat on and scare the kids next door. <laughs> Every day is Halloween if you're doing it right. <laughs> Let's move on to July 22nd. 
Alrighty, July 22nd is a Friday, and our waning moon is still hanging out in Taurus, so we are still having lots of opportunities to consider all of that stuff that might be coming up for us. Uh, so let's move directly on to the astrology of this day, and it is... The sun enters Leo for the tropical astrology folks out there. Um, what are we doing with the sun in Leo? Well, the sun in Leo is hot. It loves being in Leo. The sun rules the sign of Leo. Um, and so it is, you know, absolutely happy <laughs> being in this sign. Um, what can we expect from ourselves and our people when the sun enters Leo? Well, for everybody, um, a little bit of drama, right? Uh, Leo can be very dramatic, uh, very ostentatious. It is absolutely the time of year to put on your dopest outfits, your best jewelry, go get your hair did, be fabulous, take up space, um, be loud, be colorful, get attention as much as it's comfortable for you. Some of us are absolute hams and we can't shut up and we have to be the center of attention. Maybe I'm talking about me. Maybe we is me. Maybe that's us. <laughs> um, but even the folks uh, amongst us that are a bit more shy or a bit more reserved can come out of our shells a little bit during uh, the sun's transit through Leo. Um our pride can get peaked a little bit here and our ego might be a little bit bigger than usual. And, you know, for the most part, that's okay, in my opinion. Um, as long as we remember that everyone is a star, not just us. Um, we can feel like the star at the center of the solar system. And, and we do want to remember that everybody is a star, all every man and woman, right? <laughs> and everybody in between. Um, <laughs> Men and women and everyone who knows better, <laughs> we are all stars. Um, so when the, the sun is traveling through Leo, we might be um, eager to take some more risks, to take up more space, to be in the spotlight, to be a little bit more dramatic or have a little bit more flair uh, with whatever it is that we are doing. One of my favorite parts of Leo season is I find that folks become a lot more regal in the way that they carry themselves, um, but their pursuits become a bit more noble and a bit more magnanimous. And even though... Um, there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of flair and drama associated with Leo heart and love and, um, that sort of all encompassing. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, also con comes along with our Leo energy. So we may find ourselves feeling a little bit more generous, a little bit more open hearted with people, um, a little bit more accepting and encouraging and supportive of the people around us. But from a place of like, I'm a badass, and so are you, let's go be badasses together and get this done. It is, uh, generally speaking, a lovely time of year. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving into the holy days of July 22nd, the big one that I want to talk about is from our Greek friends and ancestors, and this is the Panathenia. Uh, this is Athena Fest. Athena. Uh, basically, this is the Olympic Games. Um, so 
This is a week-long festival that takes place here at the very end of July, leading up to August 1st, like a lot of these other festivals do. Um, and what has been happening with ancient Greeks for the last nine months is that super fancy artisans from all over Athens would have been working on the new peplos, or toga, basically, um, that would be worn by the colossal statue of Athena. This thing was freaking huge. And so they were working on her peplos for the last nine months. It's decorated with blue and yellow decorations on the outside. And then during this week, we would see a series of sacrifices, a variety of offerings. There's a torch race that takes place, um, all night rituals, meals at the city's expense. And ultimately then the peplos is delivered to the statue and she is dressed in her brand new outfit. And then we have athletic games, including lots and lots of horse stuff, lots of horse races, chariot races, single horse races, uh, lance fighting on horses, aka knights and stuff like that. But we weren't doing that. That was 1500 years later, <laughs> 10,000 years later. But, um, you know, that stuff. Uh, and Again, Taltean games, the Peruns day, like all throughout the Mediterranean and all throughout Europe through this entire time period, we're seeing these multi-week games taking places, uh, taking place with um, ritual and communal stuff and, and uh, hanging out and partying all sort of woven into one big thing. Also on this day from our pagan and Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Mary Magdalene. From our ancient Egyptian friends and ancestors, we have the birth of Isis as a part of that big uh, festival complex that's happening. And from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Nep Neptunalia. So the Neptunalia was an obscure, archaic two-day festival in honor of Neptune as the god of waters, celebrated in Rome at, at the heat and drought of summer. Um, the people used to build huts of branches and foliage in which they probably feasted, drank, and quote-unquote amused themselves. Um, so again, this emphasis on like living outside and living under the stars and sort of living off the land. But we're starting to see now on this day, multiple uh, water worshiping things. And there's other stuff that happens this week that is dedicated to the idea of water worship. And uh, it is very much here in the hottest, driest part of summer that this is happening as a means of um, appeasing and asking for help from the various water deities and water sources that would have been watering the crops that are about to be uh, harvested. Or if the harvest has already happened, because it has already happened in some places, the grain harvest has already taken place. Um, this is, again, the hottest and driest part of the year, and people just the humans and the animals need water to live. And so, again, it would have been sort of a supplication uh, for support in that direction. All right, let's move on to July 23rd. July 23rd is a Saturday, and our waning moon heads into Gemini. So thinking about this friction, right? And this like examining stuff and where do we need to let things go, even if they feel like they're kind of working for us 
now it's in the the sign of Gemini, the moon's in the sign of Gemini, which means that we're having that whole conversation now around information and communication, communication styles. This can be as easy as reviewing your speech, reviewing um, the words that you use to talk about things. And are there some, some things that are outdated, even though they're comfortable for you, uh, and that you need to update? in terms of how you talk about something. Um, but this also could be a conversation around sources of information that you have trusted, but maybe need to reconsider. And also this can be a conversation around ideas of censorship, but in particular where you are holding information that you have deemed other people are not suited to have and where do you engage in that type of behavior and when is it correct and maybe when is it not correct when is it right for you to keep this knowledge to yourself and um when is it time for you to share that knowledge with other people is it really your call to make to decide if that person is capable of knowing this thing or not, or handling this information or not. Obviously, if this person has said, I don't want to know about this, then, you know, they don't want to know, right? Um, and I'm speaking in really like broad terms here. I'm speaking in really abstract because I don't know how this will manifest for you <laughs> personally in your life. Um, but on this day, you may see stuff around information uh, and holding back information. Maybe you're the person that's holding back. Maybe somebody should be telling you something and they think that you shouldn't know this or you're not ready to hear it. Um, and then to a lesser extent, it's really like, where do I get my information and what am I doing with it? And is there anything in that process that needs to be changed up? Are there any of these resources that I've been using for information that now I'm like, mm, I've learned some things in the last couple of years and I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I think you're holding information back from me that I actually need to know. Um, that stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we're doing with this waning moon in Gemini. It's going to change a little bit when we get into the actual balsamic moon in Gemini here in a day. But for today, that's what's up. For our lunar body work with this waning moon in Gemini, we are resting, relaxing, or otherwise restoring the shoulders, the elbows, the wrists, the arms, the hands, and the armpits. Um, these are the parts of the body that are ruled by Gemini. So are you a writer? Do you work at your desk or work at a desk a lot? Um, you know, do you need to incorporate some new stretches for restoring and relaxing your shoulders and your arms and your wrists and your hands? Um, are you in the workforce and you are lifting and pushing and pulling things? Um, that stuff. Maybe this is a day for thinking about the health of your of your arms, your shoulders, uh, your elbows, your wrists, right? The, the joints and the muscle groups and all of that stuff in your arms. Again, not a doctor of the body, doctor of the cosmos, but uh, sometimes the metaphor works as well. So are there people within arm's reach of you that you need to kind of think about reaching out to or maybe not? I don't know. That stuff. That stuff. Okay. For our plant body work, 
We are harvesting, we're doing pest control, disease control, plowing, weeding, aerating the soil, and pruning to encourage below ground growth. All right. Our astrology for this day, we have Mercury in Leo trine Jupiter in Aries at eight degrees, um, moon in Gemini and Mercury doing stuff on this day. Mercury is the ruling planet of Gemini. So that's kind of cute. We love that. So love it. Okay. Uh, it's plenty of that, but, um, what do we get with Mercury trine Jupiter? Generally speaking, it's dope. Generally speaking, this is good stuff. Uh, which is lovely because we haven't had a lot of fun astrology this month. <laughs> so it's nice to have a little moment of reprieve. <laughs> um, this is a fantastic time for um, expanding the mind, right? Expansion, Jupiter, the mind, Mercury. Getting, uh, increasing our vocabulary. Increase vocab. Um, opening up to new sources of information, right? We're simultaneously considering what sources of information we are working with and maybe deciding that we need to get rid of some. And also later in the day, Mercury trine Jupiter is saying, okay, cool, but also let me open up to some of these new ones that I haven't tried yet. Um, it's a great day for learning. It's a great day for connecting with people and having really potent conversations with folks. Um, this is also a day where things moving by word of mouth could be really, really potent. Uh, if you are hoping for something to go viral, this could be a really uh, spicy day for posting things um, and getting your message out to the world. So there's that too. Um, is there something that you need to say? Is there something you need to get off your chest? This could be a really potent day for getting that done. Okay, let's look at the holy days of July 23rd. We've only got two from our ancient Egyptian friends. We have the birth of Nephthys, And this more or less concludes our big festival complex of the new year for ancient Egyptians. We'll have a few more things going on, but this kind of concludes the big, big portion of it. And then from our Mayan friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Ahakin or Kinan Ahu. Uh, this is a festival for the Mayan sun god. The sun god is associated with an aquatic eastern paradise where he can assume the shape of a chimerical water bird or be shown as a young man paddling a canoe. So an interesting combination of water and sun imagery. Water and sun imagery, very, very potent uh, during Letha season in its entirety. But again, this week we have multiple moments of this like, wow, it's really hot. Let me go hang out with a water deity for just a second. So here's another one of those. All right, let's move on to July 24th. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. 
Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast, um, partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. All right. July 24th is a Sunday. And on this day, we have <laughs> a balsamic moon in Gemini at 16 degrees, 7.52 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else. And this moon is in exact sextile to our Chiron that has just stationed retrograde in Aries at 16 degrees. So... What are we doing first and foremost with a balsamic moon? Well, in our metaphor that we work with for the lunar process in the balsamic moon, we are thinking about an item like vinegar. Yes, balsamic, right? Distillation, concentration. What did we learn or earn from this last portion of the process? And what comes next? The balsamic moon is the last phase before the new moon. And because of that, there is a draw towards the future with the balsamic moon. As much as it has a lot to do with the past, because it's about distilling everything that we've been through, it's to what effect, right? Distillation for what? Distillation to do what? Um, and so in this moon, we are really thinking about what all have I learned um, and what can I do with what I have learned. So yesterday we had uh, Mercury trine Jupiter and, you know, we're still sort of under the effects of that transit a little bit. And so this moon is really fantastic for teaching and for learning. If you can take a class on this day, if you can you know, go for an educational walk or something like that. Like it is absolutely perfect. It's a really a wonderful weekend for getting together with people, talking about stuff, critically examining your sources of information, 
um, and being ready to let go of some things, but also critically examining for the good stuff, right? Like distilling out the crap, but also concentrating the good um, and distributing that too. sharing information with other people, being open to new ideas from other people, but also being open to trading and giving some of your information away as well and things that you have learned. So teaching, learning, and considering the adventure <laughs> and the work that you've had to do around um, critically examining information and information sources in your life. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast because it's something that I think that we as a species have been really challenged to do over the last two and a half years um, plus. <laughs> but it's really gotten, you know, quite intense over the last two, two and a half years. Who are you listening to? What are they telling you? And is this really right for you? That stuff. Um, for our astrology on this day, it's pretty cute, actually. Uh, we have Venus and Cancer square Jupiter and Aries at eight degrees. And there really are no bad aspects with, with Venus hanging out with Jupiter. Like they're pretty much stoked to hang out with each other at all times. Squares, oppositions, whatever, doesn't matter. So what do we have with Venus square Cancer or Venus square Jupiter? We're, everybody's stoked on everybody. <laughs> everybody wants to hang out with everybody. We all feel a little bit more friendly, um, a little cuter. Uh, a, just we're ready to have fun on this day, more so than maybe we usually are. If there is a difficult part at all, with uh, Venus square Jupiter, it's that we can be inclined to kind of overdo it a little bit. And again, we've all been having a pretty tough time with life, whatever that means for you, it's probably true. <laughs> um, and so this might be a weekend where we really feel like, wow, I really want to blow off some steam. I really want to relax. I really want to let go of myself a little bit. And the Venus square to Jupiter uh, implies that we, we can go overboard a little bit. So we have other big astrology kind of floating around in the background that's giving us some caution around going overboard. So just, you know, be careful, watch your wallet, watch how much you're imbibing, have some, have some fun, but try not to go too hard. Try not to go too hard. You can go hard. Don't go too hard. <laughs> okay. And our holy day for this day, we literally only have one. From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Furinalia. This is dedicated to the goddess Furina. Uh, Furina was associated with water. And the Furinalia follows the Lucaria, which we talked about last week, and the Neptunalia, which is happening this week. And so this whole festival complex between all three of these really seem to be focused on a concern for summer drought. Um, so it's water on top of water on top of water imagery here. That's what we're working with. All right, let's move on to July 25th. July 25th is a Monday. I know, I know, I know. But all the same, you know, it's going to happen every seven days. So forewarned, right? All right. Uh, our waning moon enters cancer and all of that hanging out and all of that, uh, communication and information exchange and information, uh, you know, critical examination, et cetera, et cetera. 
might be bringing us into a nostalgia moment. This particular phase of the moon plus cancer can be very memory oriented and really bring us into the past where we are thinking about stuff from long ago, things that happened, people we used to know, events that we were a part of, all of that good stuff. Um, so another element of that can be forgiveness. And how? Well, think about it. Um, during the moon in Gemini, we have an opportunity to go over information and consider what information do we want to retain and keep and what things do we want to let go of? And that can look like forgiveness. That can look like I'm not going to carry this anymore. I'm going to let this go um, intellectually, but also emotionally. Uh, I've probably told this story before on the podcast, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, there's an old folk tale about these two Buddhist monks who are walking along the shore of a river and they have both taken a vow of celibacy and have, you know, made this vow that they are never ever going to touch a woman again in their lifetime. And they're walking along the shore of this river and they come across a woman who was like doing her washing and she fell in the river and she's drowning. <laughs> and one monk stands there and just stares at her. And the other monk, without hesitation, kicks off his shoes, grab, throws his bag off to the side, jumps in the river, grabs the woman, drags her up to shore, makes sure she's okay. And then he comes back over, puts his shoes back on, grabs his bag and, and says, okay, let's go. Let's keep walking. And they walk in silence for a while. And the second monk finally turns it to him and says, what you just, you broke your vow. What were you doing? We took a vow that we were never going to you know, touch a woman ever again, what you've broken your vow. And the first monk without hesitation turns and says, I carried that woman in that moment. You're still carrying her. So that thing, <laughs> perhaps there's some stuff that you are still carrying that you don't need to carry anymore. And it might be that it's easiest for us to come at that from an intellectual place, AKA the moon in Gemini, and then come at it from an emotional place. Um, so that stuff, uh, forgiveness, memories, the past, nostalgia. I definitely recommend going back and watching old movies or TV shows from when you were a kid. Um, maybe read a book from when you were a kid, you know, and kind of go back to that place and see the world um, from that perspective again, but with your gained wisdom and your life experience that you have now all of that stuff. Also hanging out with friends from the ancient past, <laughs> AKA your childhood <laughs> or your teenage years. Um, that can also be really cool stuff to do with this moon. If that's right and good for you, you know, you know how it is. Uh, okay. For our lunar body work, let me say this first, when we have our moon in cancer, it is always or just about always a great time to do magic. P 
pretty much any kind of magic is supported by the moon being in cancer. Uh, but in particular, when it is a waning moon, uh, what I think of as contraction magic is particularly supported. And by contraction, I mean things that create a boundary, create an edge, limit, reduce, banish, rid, uh, empty out, cleanse, that kind of thing. So cleansing magics, protection magics, um, any magic that sort of like reinforces the boundary around your living space, your loved ones, your pets, yourself, that sort of thing. Um, do you need to eradicate some energy around you? Do you need to end a cycle of some kind? Um, do you maybe need to protect a building and make it invisible <laughs> and make it disappear and go away from real estate listings? I don't know. I'm just grasping at straws here. Uh, but that type of magic is heavily supported with our waning moons in Cancer. Um, could be a great time to change your passwords um, and reduce uh, your, your internet footprint as a magical act. Maybe there's some um, accounts floating around out there in the universe that it's a, it's going to be a good time to close them and sort of reduce that footprint, that kind of stuff. Think in that direction. Okay. For our lunar body work with our waning moon in cancer, we are nourishing, relaxing, resting, supporting, or otherwise restoring the breasts, our chest, our belly, and our lungs. These are all the parts of the body that are uh, ruled by cancer. Um, so, you know, anything along those lines, very supportive. And for our plant body work, we are planting, transplanting, or grafting flowering bulbs, biennials, perennial flowers, and fruits and veg that bear crops below ground. There is no astrology for this day. So moving directly on very briefly to the holy days of July 25th, I'm just going to mention them really. We have from our Catholic friends and ancestors, the Feast of St. James and the Feast of St. Christopher. And here's all I want to say about these two, because there's plenty I could say, but I'm not going to go. We already know when we have a saint, we probably have a pagan deity behind them somewhere. So with the Feast of St. James, one of the things that St. James uh, is the saint of is equestrians. Yes, horses. Again, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and with the Feast of St. Christopher, some of the stuff that St. Christopher oversees is, of course, traveling and merchants, but also athletics. Hello? <laughs> How many athletics games do we have running simultaneously right now in the modern and the ancient world? Uh, storms and lightning? Yeah, that again. And St. Christopher is, in very esoteric Christian traditions, depicted as a dog-headed person. And there have been comparisons to Anubis, who we know has a holy day around this time of year. But also we are stepping into the dog days of summer as the sun also, or the sun isn't moving through, but is nearby um, the fixed stars of Canis Major, the, the dog constellation. So um, yeah, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here on the podcast, but uh, St. Christopher in esoteric Christian traditions depicted as a dog-headed man. Hmm. Interesting. 
All right. July 26th is a Tuesday. We still have our waning moon hanging out in Cancer. So we are still, you know, watching. I don't know what it was that was on TV when you were a kid. For me, it was MASH. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Different strokes. I'm a thousand years old. So, <laughs> but uh, for our astrology on this day, uh, we have Mercury in Leo square Mars in Taurus at 14 degrees. So here's another Mercury adventure for us for this week of Mercury adventures. What do we have when we have Mercury square Mars? Well, angry conversations or conversations that can spark anger and defensiveness, right? Mercury wants to talk about it and wants to think about it. Mars wants to fight about it and wants to defend or wants to go on the attack, wants to be a warrior about it. Um, and so you might find yourself in a funky argument this day that you don't even necessarily like have a stake in, right? Um, but we can feel uh, defensive on a day like this. We might feel really annoyed. We might really feel like our, um, our thinking is being interrupted. We might be really impatient to get to the information or, you know, just spit it out, just say what you mean, you know, a lot of that stuff. Um, so just be, be aware of that and be careful with it. Um, of course, we've still got Pluto and all of its ridiculousness kind of loitering in the background. And so this is the type of stuff, you know, Mercury oversees transportation and travel um, plus Mars can equal road rage and it can equal, you know, fights with people at the airport or whatever is going on with, with you and traveling, um, you know, or crazy stuff on the bus. So just be aware, just be aware. Um, and I recommend watching your words on this day, watch your tone with people. You might say something and think it sounds fine. And another person is like, no, I don't like the way you're saying that. That's not okay. Just because they also are feeling super defensive for no good reason. Um, so if you're getting super impatient, if you're feeling really argumentative, might be a great time to put yourself in timeout, take a walk around the block, yell into your phone for a while, uh, talk to a therapist, you know, all of that good stuff. Uh, but just be aware that this might be a day where it's like you have a hard time saying what you mean without also sounding like you're trying to start a fight. Um, okay. <laughs> After that, what else do we have for this day? Well, we have from our Catholic friends and ancestors, the Feast of St. Anne and St. Joaquin. Uh, from our Vodun friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Gran Erzuli. And from our Norse friends and ancestors, we have the day dedicated to Sleipnir. Now, if you are not familiar, Sleipnir in North Norse mythology um, is the eight-legged horse ridden by Odin. And this horse has a variety of really cool adventures. I recommend checking them out. Yet, yeah, Did I say horse? Yeah, a horse more horse stuff. <laughs> but here's what I think is really interesting. Um, Sleipnir is the archetypal shamanic horse. It is the archetypal um, shamanic mode of travel. This horse was gray. For anybody who was 
with me in the sun card class. Check that shit out. <laughs> um, and so this horse is often thought of as being a, a magical mode of transportation slash a mode of transportation that can go to magical spaces when a normal mode of transportation would not be able to get there. But what else or what also is very interesting about this character, Sleepnir, is that they may have been a death beer. Um, and we see a very similar mythical being in India and in Mongolia that is magical, that is worked with by magicians or magical folk um, as a magical means of transportation, but also as a means of ferrying the dead from one place to another. And uh, you, if you think about it, a person being carried on something by four people will have eight legs. Is that a stretch? Maybe, but I'm and as we talked about last week, the further we get into a uh, lunasod season, the more we are going to see a lot of funeral games and funerary rites and honoring of dead ancestors and all of that stuff. So sleep near coming along more horse imagery, a means of shuttling people back and forth between here and magical realms, eight legs gray in color. Interesting stuff. All right, let's move on to July 27th. I am recording this at like 1.30 in the morning because that's what my life is like. But, <laughs> but I am so distracted because out the window of my office, I can see the half moon rising and it's just like, staring at me from the side. I'm like, yes, I know. I'm doing the podcast right now. <laughs> You're technically not there for like another six hours. Quit looking at me like that. <laughs> but man, the half moon is so half. It's really cool to see it just like perfectly divided in half. Neat stuff. All right. Probably go for a walk after this. Uh, July 27th is a Wednesday, and this brings us to the end of our lunar week. Um, our waning moon is still hanging out in Cancer, so we are still watching, you know, I don't know, Terminator. What? <laughs> I don't know why my mind went to that immediately, but eh, probably because of the world. <laughs> um, and what are we doing? Uh, we're still hanging out with our waning Cancer Moon work again. Uh, nostalgia, reminiscing about the past, hanging out from friends, hanging out with friends from childhood or teenage years, and also engaging in our waning Cancer Moon magic and spellcrafting. Very, very potent time of the month for that. Uh, for our astrology on this day, Mercury in Leo trine. Chiron retrograde in Aries at 16 degrees. So in a way, this could be a funky moment, but mostly I think that this could be a really cool moment. Um, what do we get when we have Mercury trining Chiron? We have thinking and communication around our sacred wound and 
the wisdom that is derived from that wound. Chiron represents uh, the processes that we go through our life to become ourselves, to realize who we are, to embrace it and accept it, um, but also uh, to become really acutely aware of the painful experiences that we have had to go through to become who we are. Or maybe a better way of saying that is the painful experiences that we have had that resulted in us figuring out who we are and what we're going to do about that. But with a trine, it makes that work a lot easier. That internal dialogue can come a lot easier. And if this is a part of us that has a hard time speaking, um, if this, uh, if Chiron represents things in you that feel like they're not supposed to talk or they have a hard time uh, speaking or communicating, you know, those pieces of ourselves that are like, I don't want to come up to the light. Mercury can help those parts of ourselves find a vocabulary and to say what they need to say. Um, and so this could be a day where, especially after uh, the potent stuff that we've had to do this week with our astrology and our lunar work, um, this could be a really awesome day for doing some journaling, um, talking into your phone or what have you around you know, what, where, where am I at in my process? What have I learned through the crap I've been through? You know, we are in a balsamic moon phase and we are distilling down the best parts, the most potent parts of our process. And here too, this Mercury trine Chiron in retrograde, uh, or which is retrograding, I should say, uh, is, is here to help, I think, with that process. Could be a really big help in that process of like, let me really hear myself talk about this. Let me really have a good, potent conversation with myself around this. This could also be a fantastic day for therapy and a fantastic day for having conversations with another person or other people around this stuff that can be super duper sensitive. With the trine, we're all a little bit more open to talking about it, thinking about it, receiving information, giving information, all of that stuff. Uh, Chiron is just a difficult planet-toid, planet or planetoid to work with. Uh, um, it's one of the centaurs, and all of the centaur asteroids or planetoids, whatever, um, they, they all bring us tough work to do. All of the asteroids or all of the centaurian entities that are in our astrology bring us painful work, tough work, murky, swampy, funky stuff with the ultimate goal of healing it. So that stuff, that's all just that. <laughs> we have no other astrology for this day. And the only other thing I'm going to mention about this is um, the moon goes void, of course, at 5.55 p.m. I never talk about the moon void, of course, um, in the podcast because it's, it's uh, just another layer of lunar work that can get 
kind of uh, confusing, but I mention it here just because um, the new the moon then moves into Leo at eleven thirty five p.m. Pacific Standard Time on July twenty seventh. It moves into Leo on the twenty eighth for everybody else around the planet, and then. Uh, a few hours later, we have the new moon. And so I always recommend uh, in these last few days and hours of the lunar cycle to try to do nothing. But I have been recommending uh, doing magical work and doing this other stuff with cancer. So here's why I'm saying like you kind of have up until about 5.55 p.m. Pacific Standard Time um, to get done whatever you're going to get done. And then, as I always recommend, I really recommend downtime. Uh, the waning moon cycle has its work and its forms. And the waxing moon cycle has its work and its forms. But there is this very special time between the two lunar cycles when the moon is dark. And it's still. It almost is, it's almost like it doesn't exist, but it does. <laughs> it's just there in a very dark form. And we too can take a lesson from this deity and this celestial object and have a moment where we are not doing any work at all. We're just resting. We're just still, maybe we're just sleeping. Um, but I really recommend no magical work, grounding and releasing at, at most. Um, and really making space for whatever it is that we're going to be dealing with when we step into the new moon in Leo, which is going to be, uh, you know, more of those Leonine vibes that we were talking about with the sun stepping into Leo. We're going to be sort of initiating a month-long process of hanging out in Leo energy. Um, so really, if it is at all possible for you, Turn off your phone, turn off your screens, get off the internet, turn off the TV. Uh, you know, if you want to read a little something, that's cool, but I wouldn't read for education or read for work or anything like that. Like read for relaxation or do nothing at all. Take a lovely bath. That would certainly be appropriate with our moon and watery cancer right before Leo. Um, just chill out, let go, stop rest, come to a pause, and then we will start again at the new moon. Okay. The only holy day that we have on this day is Hapshetsut's day from our Egyptian friends and ancestors. And Hapshetsut is basically the only pharaoh that I talk about when I talk about ancient Egyptian festivals and stuff. Um, I mostly keep it strictly to the gods and goddesses, but Hapshetsut uh, was such a profoundly influential person in Egypt's history, ancient Egypt's history, that uh, she's almost like a demigod. She's almost beyond human. Um, she possibly ruled the largest empire ever seen on earth. Uh, she is responsible for some of the largest earthworks that Egypt undertook. Uh, she, she is, she is just an absolute powerhouse and she was beloved by her people. And she was possibly the only woman 
to rule as a pharaoh. She wore a beard, uh, the the classic pharaoh, pharaonic beard that you see uh, in a lot of sculptures, and on and on. Just an incredibly powerful, powerful woman. And when I see Hapshetstut's day pop up on the calendar, I know that we are very close to Lunasad season, um, and we are really coming into the auspices of goddesses like Sekhmet and sort of that raging, powerful, fiery, leonine leadership energy. She encompasses all of that stuff. I highly recommend doing a little research on her. She really was incredible. Hot Shepsut is her name. Um, and she's incredible. All right, here's the roundup. All right. I told you at the beginning of this podcast, we were doing a shorty and I'm pretty sure this one turned out longer than last week's. So yeah, <laughs> I really, in my mind was like, it's going to be like 30 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, <laughs> for our lunar phases this week, we are moving from Aries to Leo. I mean, technically it's Aries to Cancer. Um, but we know that the new moon in Leo is happening. Um, and uh, this is really our indicator that our cardinal signs are giving way to the fixed signs as we center ourselves in the heart of summer and Leo season. Uh, the astrology roundup for the week on the 20th, we have our moon in Aries. On the 21st, we have the moon in Taurus. On the 22nd, we have the sun moving into Leo and our moon moving into Gemini. We have on the 23rd, uh, Mercury in Leo, trine Jupiter in Aries at 8 degrees. On the 24th, we have our balsamic moon in Gemini and we have Venus in Cancer, square Jupiter in Aries at 8 degrees. On the 25th, we have our moon in Cancer. And on the July 26th, we have Mercury in Leo, square Mars in Taurus at 14 degrees. And last but not least, uh, Wednesday the 27th, we have Mercury in Leo, trine Chiron retrograde in Aries at 16 degrees. And then at the very end of the night, we have the moon slipping quietly into Leo. Um, and again, by, you know, five or six o'clock in the afternoon on the 27th is when I really encourage to kind of just uh, Pacific time, start slowing down, start stopping, um, start, leave the magic off for a day or two, let the work rest for a day or two if it's possible. Just chill. Our new moon is going to be um, on the 28th at 10.55 a.m. in the morning. And then the process begins again, right? So in whatever way you can kind of step outside of time, take some time for yourself, rest, be still, pause, be quiet, highly recommend it. Uh, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you so much to all of my patrons. You guys are fucking cool. Don't ever let anybody tell you different. Uh, you can leave a review on your podcast service wherever you listen to this. Uh, leave a rating. Um, five stars is extremely occult 
system that you could follow. Just saying. Um, share on social media. So many thank yous to the folks that share this podcast on social media or with friends and family that you think would absolutely love this. Uh, and that's it. And thank you, dear listener, for coming and checking in every week with this very bizarre audio ritual that I can't stop doing. Um, I really do love doing this work. And uh, it's been very healing for me for the last year and a half to work on this project. And I don't uh, see myself stopping anytime soon. So <laughs> you've been warned. <laughs> All right, my heathens, have a good week. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, um, and do that deep examining that these waning moons are asking of you. What can we let go of? What are we afraid to let go of, but what is it time to let go of, right? Anytime that we are letting go of something, we're making room for the new thing, even if we don't know what it is. Blessed be.